good morning. Merry Christmas. And I hope you have a happy new year. A belated Christmas, by the way, from uh, me and my wife. My wife is watching probably at home right now. She is not feeling well. We've been looking forward to coming over here for, well, ever since uh, Brother Sammy called and asked me to uh, fill in for him. We've been excited about that. And then she gets up feeling bad this morning and couldn't come. But she said to hug necks anyway for her. So get ready. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to uh, Hosea chapter 3. Hosea chapter 3. Have you ever heard it said about someone who really loved the Lord and who was a saint and who served and worshipped Him that surely there's a a real nice place in heaven for them? There's got to be a special place in heaven for some people and I, I believe that. This morning we're going to talk about a man that I think in my own heart that he surely has a special place in heaven. His name is Hosea. Hosea was a prophet. Hosea was a man that, that God uh, chose to, to prophesy his word and take his word to his people that he loved very, very much. And also this morning God has, has, has asking Hosea in our, in our story today to walk a mile in his shoes. I don't know if that, if that sinks in much with us or not, but have you ever thought about uh, how, how sometimes God heart, God's heart has to break and how, how God's heart aches sometimes for His people, especially those that have gone astray, especially those who turned their back on Him. This morning, that's exactly what had happened in the history and life of Israel, that they had turned their back on the Lord. And not only had they just turned away from the Lord, but they had turned to uh, following and worshiping after other gods especially Baal and some of the gods you hear a lot about and read a lot about in the Old Testament. We find that Israel had turned away from the Lord, and now he's sending Hosea not just to prophesy and not just to preach God's word, but he is is sending Hosea to live out a way that God was, uh, was, was having to experience with his people. He's calling upon Hosea to walk a mile in his own shoes. Let me read the scripture to you, if you would follow with me. In Isaiah chapter, excuse me, in Hosea chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to me, Go again and love a woman who is betrayed and is loved by lovers and is committing adultery, just like the love of the Lord for the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love raisin cakes of of the pagans. And so I brought her, I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and one and a half homers of barley. And I said to her, you shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor, will, nor shall you have a man. So too will I be toward you. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king or prince, without a sacrifice or a sacred pillar, without an ephod or a teraphim. Afterwards the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that your word is eternal truth. It's absolute. It changes not. Thank you, Father, for revealing through your word, uh, Father, your plan for your people, your love for your people. And Father, the redemption of your people. Father, today as we look in the book of Hosea, we, Father, want to look and see how that Hosea's heart ached and hurt and how his wife uh, played the harlot and left him and 
was unfaithful to him and how it hurt him. And Father, how that you're hurt, uh, Father, in your heart when your people turn from you. And Father, I pray that as we go through these things, that we'll see the most important thing, and that's, Father, the redemption uh, that takes place in, uh, in the life of a sinner. Father, I thank you this morning. I praise you. Thank you for the season we've just went through, Father, that we can celebrate uh, your coming into this world. Because, Father, you came into this world to save sinners. And I'm like Paul. I'm the chief among all of them. And Father, you've saved me. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, the title of the message is, I've Come to Take You Home. Can you picture just in your mind, as we go back into uh, these scriptures, how that a man uh, was called upon by the Lord, first of all, to be a, a prophet, to be a, a faithful prophet, to go out and to preach and, and, and to point people to the Lord and to, and to live out and exemplify the righteousness of God in his own life and how that people looked unto him and how that people turned to the Lord because of him. And so... Uh, but, but the Lord is saying to, uh, to Hosea now, uh, Hosea, I want you to go out. I'm going to show you. You're going to have to live and, and experience what I'm going through with my people so that you can, you, you can, you can prophesy more clearly, that you can prophesy with a broken heart and, and, and you can tell uh, my people to repent and turn back to me. And so he, there's three things I want us to, to look at this morning. We're going to look at Hosea's family and see how God worked through Hosea's family. And then we're going to look at Gomer's folly, and that's Gomer was his wife. Can you imagine having a wife named Gomer? I don't want to say too much about that, because if you've got a middle name like I have, you don't make fun of a lot of other people's names, amen? My name is Gary Francis. Let me tell you something, Going up, growing up in grammar school and part of the way through junior high school, having a, a, a name like Francis, it caused some conflict, I'll just say that and leave it alone. But you notice that, 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 that Gomer's folly, what happened to her? What did she do? And then we want to look at God's faithfulness. That's where we we'll spend most of our time in, in, the, in the scripture this morning is God's faithfulness. First of all, let's look at, at Hosea's family. And I didn't have them put up on the screen. I just want to read some things to you about Hosea's family. We're going to hit it uh, hard and quick. And I don't think we'll have time to, uh, to flash all of this up. But as I go back to chapter 1 of Hosea, I look and I find that Hosea was, was uh, it gives his, his, uh, who his family was, and it says, and when the Lord began to speak through Hosea, that he said to Hosea, take unto yourself a wife. You know, that, that's not too bad. But here's what, here's what that wife was going to consist of. He said, you're going to take a wife, uh, a, a wife of harlotry, and uh, the children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by, de by departing from the Lord. Here's what he said. He'll, he'll say in just a few moments that, that the, the, whole, the whole nation of Israel was a nation that had committed uh, spiritual harlotry uh, in his sight. And so he, he had said, go take one of those women and, and marry her. And so uh, Hosea began to build his family. And first of all, the woman that he'd married, uh, he, he was to marry her. I don't know if you, if you follow uh, things, what's happening today or not. Did you know that if you go to get married, you don't even have to, uh, uh, you don't have to have a license anymore. You just go down and get a slip of paper. Uh, the, uh, the judge can just stamp it and you can just declare whatever you want to declare on it. It don't even say if you're the husband or the wife or the man or the woman. It's just so generic. It just says, you know, if you, if you identify as this, then you write your name here. And if you identify that, you don't even have to have somebody to pronounce you man and wife. You don't even have to repeat vows. You see, marriage is based on a covenant. 
and not just a contract. Amen? A covenant means that you stand before witnesses and you declare something to be true and you declare that you're going to do something and, and because you've done it before witnesses, that makes a covenant binding and it can only be broken through death. And so when Hosea had married this woman, the covenant was there. He had made a covenant to love her and cherish her and all of those things is as you and I know what that comes across in a marriage ceremony. But, uh, but she was married to Hosea. Now then, let me, let me just bring us along on a parallel trip down through here. You see, God, in the Old Testament, <clears throat> God had referred to Israel as his wife. You see, God was married to Israel. You see, God made a covenant with Israel. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't start out with a, with a huge country. He didn't start out with a millions of people that says, I'm going to take these this nation right here and, and they're going to be my people. No, you see, God didn't start out with a huge nation. He started out with one man. And he made a nation out of that one man. His name was Abraham. And if you go back and retrace and look at Abraham, Abraham, before he, he, uh, he had faith in the Lord, was a, he was actually a pagan. He came from a whole family of pagans. And so, but God saw something in Abraham that, 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 that was faith. And he said, I'm going to take him and because of his faith, he's going to believe in me and he's going to trust me and I'm going to make a huge nation out of him whose, uh, whose number would be like the sands of the sea. And so he took Abraham and he made a nation. He made a covenant with Abraham. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your seed. I'm going to make them huge. I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And so Abraham believed God. And so God said to Abraham, get up from among your dad's people and, and leave and I'll show you a place to go. And so Without even knowing where he was going, he got up and he left his, his dad's people and he struck out on a voyage with the Lord and the Lord saw faithfulness in him and he blessed him. But you see, God, down through the years, has referred to his people as his wife. You know why? Because God's married to his wife. God's married to his, to his people. You see, in the New Testament, it, you know, the, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, those of who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ in the New Testament who have who have placed our whole eternity upon Him, and He is our hope and our strength and our salvation. You see, we are referred to in the New Testament not as the wife of God, but the who? The bride of Jesus Christ. We are His bride. I don't know about you, but I don't have any problem being known as part of the bride of Jesus. Amen? Because one day He's coming back again, and He's coming back to receive me. as I'm part of His bride. I'm going to go and be with Him forever and forever and forever. So Gomer was Hosea's wife, and she, he was his, his wife because he'd made a covenant that he'd love her and he'd keep her and he'd cherish her. He, she was his wife. But then also, we notice his children. Again, we don't have time to read, but she had, she had three children. I think at least two of them was Hosea's. The first one, he said, after you've married this wife, I want you to have a boy, have, have a child. And, he said, and they did, and, it, and God said, I want you to name him Jezreel. Now, there's, there's, there's significance in that word Jezreel. Jezreel was a valley over in the, in the, in the Middle East, and, and it was a, a battle of, uh, it was a valley where many battles were fought. They said if all the blood had been shed in the valley of Jezreel were there at one time, it would run up to the horse's bridle. And so there had been many a battle fought there because some of the times that the battle were fought, it was God allowing his people to be judged because of their sin. And so remind the people about the battle of Jezreel because sin pays wages and one day the, the sin of my people will come home to roost. And then he said, 
I want you to have another child. And they had another child. This second one was a little girl. And her name was Loruhama, which means not pitied or no pity whatsoever, no mercy. You see that even the significance of his family, there was Gomer. By the way, Gomer's name means complete. We'll find out in a minute, in a minute why she was named that. But, but the second uh, child was a lady or a girl, and her name was Lorohama. And it means no mercy. And God was saying to his people, through even his family, that because of the sin of my people, that they've turned their back and they've walked away from me and they've went after other, other gods. And, and God called them a, a, a spiritual harlot. And they had walked after, as if a, a person or a, a woman or a man would go after other lovers, they would call them a harlot or other, other names that we won't say from the pulpit. But they, they were called spiritual harlots because they had walked away from the Lord. And God said, it's coming a time when judgment's coming and I'll have no mercy. And then he said after that, uh, that, third, that, me, that second child was weaned, he told that she bore another son. And God said, just go ahead and name him Loamai. I don't know if you know what that name means or not, but here's what it means, not mine. How would you like to have a child or how would you like to be a child? Where the Lord says, not mine. You see, when God's children walk away from him, he has no other recourse, but judgment is coming because the wages of sin is death. And so the, the valley of Jezreel must be faced, and then, uh, and then God's going to show no mercy through the, the name of the second child. And then at the, the name of the third child, he says, I'm just going to say you're not my people. Why? Because God had loved them, poured out blessings on them. He had chosen them. He had, just, he had been God to them and blessed them through the years. And what had they done? They had turned away from the Lord. And they had chased after other gods and other, as, as other lovers. And so Hosea had a family. His family consisted of a wife, Gomer, and three children. But you see, the, the thing gets even worse. And God's saying, listen... Hosea, I want you to walk a mile in my shoes. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to choose a wife. You're going to love a wife, but she's going to become unfaithful. She's going to go out and she's going to have other lovers. She's going to go out and she's going to chase after men, and she's going to have a reputation like you wouldn't believe in all of this. And so, But you're going to marry her, and you're going to have some children, and the names of the children are significant because things just get worse. That's Hosea's family. Now look at Gomer's folly. This is in chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. And again, we, I'm just going to hit those uh, very, very hurriedly. Here's what, here's what Gomer had done. You know, she had married Hosea. He had made a great life for her. She had she'd married one of the most godly people probably on the face of the earth at that time. It was Hosea. He was a prophet. He was a man of God. He loved the Lord. And she married him. And then she had some kids. And all of a sudden it said, if you'll look with the, excuse me, in verse, chapter 2, verse 4, it says, God says, I will have no mercy on her children, for they are the children of harlotry, for their mother has played the harlot. Their mother has played the harlot. So she conceived them and, and has behaved shamefully, for she said, I will go after my lovers, and I will, that, because they give me bread and water and wool and, and linen and oil and drink. Here's what Here's what Gomer, here's her folly. First of all, she, she, she went after other lovers. 
She become unfaithful to her husband, Hosea. She turned and she chased after other men. She chased after uh, other lifestyles. And then she began to, uh, as she did that, she would say, listen, I'm going to go after my other lovers because they're the ones that furnish me everything I need. They give me my oil and my wine and, and all the stuff. They furnish me that. And so she went after them just like the, the nation of Israel had done. And God was looking at his nation like Hosea was looking at Gomer as, as his nation went, a, went a, uh, out into a spiritual harlotry as they chased after other gods and as they began to give glory and honor to these other gods. You see, Baal was one of the, one of the ones that you read most about. His, his name's mentioned hundreds of times in the Old Testament. Baal was considered an agriculture god or a god that, uh, of fertility. And they would pray to God. Even the children of Israel got to where they would pray to Baal and ask him to bless their crops and bless their, their animals and bless their home. And, and they began to give him praise and honor instead of giving praise and honor to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to, and to Jehovah God, they would praise him. So she played the harlot. She was unfaithful. She was unfaithful. You know why? That's why I said at the beginning of the message this morning, how would you like it if God asked you to walk a mile in his shoes? That's why I say this, there has to be a special place in heaven for Hosea. He's living out. He, his heart is breaking. His heart is aching. He is watching the one that he loves, his beloved, walk out at night and go out knowing where she's going, knowing who she's going to be with, and no telling where she would wind up. And so he, he had to live every moment of his life suffering. You know, God's heart breaks. When his people turn a deaf ear to him, when they turn away from him, God's heart aches and breaks. That was her folly. She said, I'll chase after my lovers. That's what she said. I'm going to chase after these. I'm going to chase after me, and I'm going to, I'm going to leave this guy behind. He's, he's, he can take care of the kids. He can do all this. I'm just going to take and... and, and I'm going to chase after these other lovers, and my lovers will give me what I want. But you see, y'all ever heard the phrase, be sure that your sins will find you out? Can I tell you this? Sin pays wages. And I'll tell you something else. Sin makes human beings ugly. Makes, it makes us do ugly things. It makes us ugly people. For you see what happened with with, with Gomer. She went out and she chased lovers for years and years and years. She chased them so long and so hard that one day, if she had a mirror to look into, she'd looked into that mirror and she would have seen an old hag, an old used up, wore out, ugly old woman that nobody would have anything to do with. That's what sin will do to you. Sin will bring you down in, 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 into the gutter and it'll kick you while you're there and it'll mash you while you're there and it will abuse you while you're there. And so, so Gomer wound up in the gutter. You see, in, in the day that uh, Hosea lived, if you were not able to, you know, to make a living for yourself, which she couldn't do any longer, then you'd wind up on the street and, and you'd be sold as a slave or you'd have to sell yourself into slavery. See, back then, you could end up as a slave if you went bankrupt and couldn't pay the bankruptcy. 
And whoever uh, had the lien against your property could actually take you and your, your whole family and sell you into slavery and take that money they got for you as a slave and apply it to the debt. But you also could be so poor, you couldn't make a living for yourself and you would sell yourself as a slave in the, in, for someone else to, to use and abuse. And evidently that's what had happened. She had to sell herself as a slave. And she ended up a slave on the slave market. I've never been there physically, but I've been there spiritually. You see, Israel had strayed away from the Lord so much. Now, we're comparing now Gomer's life to Israel. They, like Gomer, had strayed away from the Lord so long and had, had embarrassed him so many times, had broken his heart multiple times, thousands of times, that now Israel is in the gutter. And God said, you remember the valley of Jezreel. Jezreel is a valley of judgment. Bloodshed, judgment. And now you remember, you remember Lo Ruhama. How that God is saying, listen, you're not pitied any longer. There comes a time even in the, in the heart of the Lord that he says, I've had enough, I'm fed up, and that's all that's going to, that, that's all there's going to be. And then remember Loama, the last boy, he said, like his name, you're not mine. And God is about to send judgment upon his people. Gomer's a slave, physically. But can I tell you something? She was a slave spiritually. Living the way she lived. Treating her husband and her family the way she treated them. Walking out night after night. Spending her whole life out on the streets and in the bed with some other man. And she's now spent. She's now a slave. Lastly, I want you to look at God's faithfulness. Look at God's faithfulness. This blows my mind. Verse 1 of chapter 3 again. The Lord said, Hosea, go again. I love that woman that loved lovers. Can I tell you something about God? About my Lord? He loved me even when I was unlovable. He loved me even though I was a sinner. Even though I was on the, on the auction block <laughs> to sin. E even though I was alienated from God. Even though I was an enemy for, uh, with God. Even though I had sinned against God. Even though I was unprofitable. God loved me enough that he sent Jesus to die for me on the cross of Calvary. Hosea, go love that woman again. And that's committing adultery just like the love of the Lord. Look here. For the children of Israel, just like I love my people, you go love that woman. How many of us could do that? Said it, and, and, and she looks to other gods and loves the raisin cakes of the pagans. You know, the pagans had a great celebration, and that, that's one of the common things they would, they would eat during the celebrations is raisin cakes. Verse 2 says, And I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half of barley. Picture this. Here's a... 
and I don't know if it was, it was probably one person that had already bought her as a slave and now was putting her up for sale again because she was unprofitable, or I don't know what it was, but she, she was a slave being auctioned off. And God said, Hosea, go get you 15 shekels of silver. Go get you a homer and a half of barley. And by the way, let me tell you something. A homer and a half of barley, the value of it in Hosea's day was another 15 shekels of silver. So Hosea went with the equivalent of 30 pieces of silver. Where have you heard that term before? But can I tell you this? The 30 pieces of silver was a common price to pay for a healthy male slave. But I want you to gather that up. I don't know how much wealth Hosea had. He was a preacher, so I put, Brother Cheryl, I bet he didn't have a whole lot of money. Amen. So 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half of barley, he gathered it all up. I don't know how he came up with it, but here he goes. Can't you just see him? He's got his money pouch, and he's got his, his barley, and he's headed down to wherever this old hag, this old woman that's been unfaithful to him, this old woman that he loved, used to love, that fathered his children. She's being sold as a slave. And here, here goes Hosea. I don't know how the auction went, but I can just imagine as she stood there. I don't know if other people were bidding on her. I don't know. But don't you know that she heard a familiar voice when she heard Hosea speak up and said, Folks, I've come to take her home. I've got the price. I'm paying for her. She's going to be mine. I, I'm, I'm, I've got the price. I'm, I'm paying it for her. I know she's not worth it. I know she's been unfaithful. I know she's un uh, unlovely. I know she's an old hag. She's, she's used up and she's all of these things. But my offer is 15 shekels of silver and a homer half of barley. And he bought her. He said, I'm taking you home. You're going with me. You're going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful to you. Let me tell you something. Let me stop right here and say this. If that don't tell you something wonderful and glorious about the love of God, I don't know of anything else that will. Because in my sin, in my unrighteousness, in my unholiness, in my worthlessness, Jesus stepped up and says, I'm going to make the payment. What's the payment, Jesus? My blood. I'm paying it all. It takes it all. You see, when God looked around in heaven and thinking, you know, he had this plan from the beginning, but let's just imagine he, what, what in the world was a great price that God could pay out of heaven? Well, he paid it all, amen? He paid everything that heaven could offer, and that was the blood of his only son, and he sent him to pay the price for this old slave to sin. In the book of Romans, Paul says that we're sold under sin, and you see, Satan bid for us. He, he makes high bids for us, but let me tell you something, nothing can top the blood of Jesus. When Hosea stepped up to the scene, God said, Hosea, I want you to walk a mile in my shoes. And that's what he's doing. The good, the bad, and now the beautiful. Hosea has bought his wife back. He's, he's paid the price, even though she wasn't worth it, even though, you know, 
I, I would have been so tore up and mad and ill and I don't know what I would have done, but listen, God was not only demonstrating to Hosea who he was, he was demonstrating to the world through Hosea who he was and who he is. He's willing to pay the price even though we're like Gomer and we're on the auction block. Now in, these, in, in, in the New Testament times, just like God asked Hosea to walk a mile in his shoes, Jesus came and walked a mile in my shoes. We've just celebrated the birth of Jesus, haven't we? You know what that was? God was stepping into history, into human history. And God was experiencing from a personal level what it's like to be a human being what it's like to walk and to be hungry and to be thirsty and to be hated and to be tempted and to be beaten and crucified. In Jesus, God walked a mile in my shoes and in your shoes. Why did he do that? Because we as sinners were on the auction block. Something had to be done. Someone had to pay the price. And God sent Jesus and paid it all. Praise the Lord. Hosea said, I bought her for myself. He said, you shall no longer, you stay with me many years and many days. You'll not play the harlot. Neither will you know a man, for the children of Israel will abide many days without a king and a prince, without sacrifice. Listen, you remember, if you study about when Jesus, when the angel came to, the angel Gabriel came to Mary, first of all, he came to, six months earlier, he came to Elizabeth and, and to Zechariah, and the angel spoke to them. That's the first time in 400 years that God had spoken to man. You leave off of Malachi, the very last verse, until the birth announcement of, of John the Baptist and then the birth announcement of Jesus. 400 years of silence. And listen as we read again that last verse. And afterwards the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. You remember what the story of Jesus said? <laughs> that he will occupy the throne of his father David. It's an eternal because God had, had made a, a covenant with David that his, his, his reign would be eternal. And so God came and, and, and made that, that commitment and that, that sure and fast when Jesus came and he gave him the kingdom of their David and they shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Here's what's happened. Just like Israel... Sin separated his people from God. Took something major. In my life, in Gomer's life, it, she had to hit rock bottom. She was at the very bottom, and all of a sudden, Hosea shows up with the price. In my life, I was a sinner. I remember the day I was saved. Our pastor preached the gospel. The Holy Spirit was speaking in my heart and had been for several weeks. 
about being saved, and I kept saying no. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit revealed to me, Gary, listen, I want to take you into my family. I've come to take you to my family, and one day he's going to come take me home, amen? He's going to take me to be in his home forever and forever. But, but first, he, he came to me and said, Gary, I love you. I know you're a sinner, but I want to forgive you of your sins. I paid your price for you. I paid your debt for you on the cross of Calvary so that I could redeem you to myself. And so I've come, and, and I want you into my family. Would you just believe, and would you just trust in me? And that day I turned loose from the back of my pew. I still got splinters under my fingernails, though. <laughs> Amen. How many of you can identify with that? I held on for the last minute, but then finally when I turned loose and I took that big first, that, that foot weighed 200 pounds, but when I took it, made that first step, I found myself at the front of the, uh, of the, up in front of the altar and there was, had my, my pastor by the hand and, and I was telling him that, that I believed in Jesus, that I believe he died on the cross for me, that he paid my sin debt for me and that through my faith in His grace that I can be saved and I come today confessing my sins and repenting of my sins and I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to be in His family. You see, that day He came and took me home. <laughs> I'm a child of His. Are you a child of His? Are you happy about it? Brother Terry and I were talking a few minutes ago before the service began about worship. If we only realized where we were, how we got to where we are now, through the precious blood of Jesus, through his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, I even believe Baptists would be happy about that. Amen? Back when I first went into the ministry, my, my first full-time church was down in Walker County, and we had a 97-year-old a lady who dipped snuff. And, and the reason I bring that up is when she'd hug your neck, you'd, you know, you'd, you'd back away and you'd have snuff on your collar or on your shirt or on your suit or something. Because she, she loved it. I mean, she, she got amongst it when she dipped it. But I ain't never seen a woman that loved Jesus any more than that woman. And we'd have somebody saved. You know, they'd be walking down the aisle and she'd sit up on the front and she was would, she would just, during the invitation, she'd just looking around. She was wanting somebody to get saved. And you let somebody walk the aisle and get saved, that woman got, got beyond herself. She began to shout and she began to raise her hands and she began to praise the Lord. Why? Because here's another Gomer that was brought from the very shackles and, and the very block of, of, of being a slave by the blood of Jesus and they've allowed him to cleanse them and to forgive them and to save them and to make them into a new person. She realized exactly what was going on because she remembered. You see, I remember. I remember who I was. I remember what I used to do. But I remember the day that Jesus saved my soul. I realized that day what it took. I realized where I was and where I needed to be. And only, I could only get there through the blood of Jesus. And I was saved. I ain't got over it yet. <laughs> Have you got over it? Somehow I think we've got over it. 
that it no longer burns in our heart that we were once dead, eternally dead, bound for hell, and all of a sudden, through the blood of Jesus and our belief and trust in him, God saved us. The Lord's saying, I've come to take you home. I've come to take you to, into my family through my son Jesus. And then he said, if you believe in God, you'll also believe in me and my Father's house are many mansions. If it weren't so, I told you so. But I'm going to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. You know, back in that, in that day, if a, if a man went into a far country or into another village and he found a wife and he would, like Joseph and Mary, they were betrothed, they were engaged, and that was a legal term. They were legally married, but the marriage hadn't been consummated yet. But in that day, the, 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 the bridegroom would usually go in, back into his home country, back to his father's house. And he would either add on to his father's house or he would build another dwelling on that property. Ever how long it took him, he would labor hard and long for it and he would get it built and then he would get it furnished and it would have to be just right. And when it was just right, he would go back and get his bride wherever she was at with her father and mother. And he said, come on, I've got it prepared. I'm going to take you home. And he would take her home back to where his, he had prepared a dwelling and there where the, the official marriage ceremony would take place and the marriage would be consummated and it would be, it would be uh, so wonderful. And let me tell you something, that's what Jesus said one day, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to my father's house. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when it's done, when my father says so, I'm coming back to receive you unto myself that where I am, I want you. Why? Because we're the bride of Christ. We're his bride. Well, I hope this morning that you've followed along with me in Hosea the prophet who married a Gomer who was a woman of the world, who treated him awful, who was unfaithful to him, run around on him, chased after other lovers, just like Israel was chasing after other lovers, other gods and other lovers, and was breaking God's heart. And how she went, got so bad that she wound up as a slave. Israel was a slave. But God bought her back. Amen. Hosea took the price. Jesus took the price and bought me back. Praise the Lord. I'm his. Are you his? If not this morning, he stands. I, I remember the day I got saved, I could just see Jesus. As I walked down the aisle, I, I could just see Jesus standing there with his arms open. Come on, Gary. Come on. I want you in my family. I want you to be mine. I want you to be an heir of my father. I want you to be a, a joint heir with me. Come on, I'll take you home one day. If you're here today and you're not saved, let me tell you something. He's calling today. He's paid the price for you. You're on the auction block this morning. You've got a decision to make. Are you going to go home with Jesus? Are you going to go home lost without him? I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, as we get ready for this invitation, I pray, Father, that you would speak to hearts everywhere. Father, if there's someone here today without the Lord, without salvation, never been saved, I pray, Father, for them that they would come this morning and be saved. Then, Father, I pray for all who are 
Who are your people? Father, I pray that none are, are straying from you and turning their back on you, but Father, if they are, I pray that you'd call them home, call them back. Because some, one day, Father, you're going to call us all home. And I pray we'd all be ready. Father, thank you for this opportunity to, to preach your word. And I pray that, Father, your word would find a place in our heart that we would receive it. Father, that we would grow by it. And we'd become more like your son, Jesus. For I pray and ask it in his name. Amen.